as you're, as you're giving this morning, I just want to um, make comment also. Uh, uh, there's a, some friends of mine from years ago, and I just saw them before. Larry and Patty Repsland, would you just wave your hands, Larry and Patty, right here in the center, kind of towards the back. Uh, Larry and Patty Repsland, haven't seen them for like more than 20 years, or about 20 years. Before we came here as pastors, we were pastoring in uh, Harvest Falls, Minnesota, and a couple of years before we left there to come here, uh, the Lord put it on, on the heart of our section, a group of churches in a particular area there in Minnesota to plant a church in Perm. We've never heard of Perm, Minnesota, some of the finest junk food in America comes out of Perm, Minnesota. Candy factory, I think, Old Dutch potato chip or some, some, some potato chip factory or something there. But uh, we, we, we helped, uh, we were part of the wrestling pastors there, and uh, we were we were part of that uh, that outreach and that that ministry, and, and, to, and now there's a thriving church there. We're very grateful for that, and uh, for your role in that as well. But it's it's exciting to see friends from way back. And, you know, I'm looking forward to heaven. But isn't that going to be a great family reunion in heaven? Amen. I'm not talking the kind of family reunions where you see someone you don't necessarily like, but you have to see them because they're family. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the hands who pinches your cheek and hugs you and smells really bad. I'm not talking about that kind of family reunion. I'm talking about the people that have died before us in Christ, and you're going to see them. The people that we read about in this Bible, we're going to see them. I'm looking forward, and I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus above all else, but I'm looking forward to meeting Moses. I am. And I'm going to meet him someday. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have... I'm going, to, I'm going to have lunch with Elijah and Elijah. I'm going to sit down with Mary and I'm going to ask her, what was going through your mind when that angel showed up? Wow. I'm looking forward to it. So, anyway, it's going to be a great family reunion when, when people that we've worked with and ministered with all, all. I want to share with you, before I share from the Word this morning, I've got to share something I just, I love. How many here about when God answers prayer? Amen. Three of you are really grateful that God answered prayer. Uh, um, uh, I fell on the ice uh, this, this last week. I was down in Sioux Falls and I was walking across the parking lot in the morning to go to the office. And, and I just landed right on my back. And boom, hurt my back. Oh, right here. And then um, my, my, my mom and dad are. are selling their ranch and selling all of their contents. And so I, on Wednesday night, I drove to Rapid City and helped my brother organize for the big sale uh, and, and all that lifting. And I'm not used to some of that stuff. And so I got home late Friday night. And then yesterday, I kind of twisted something. And yesterday afternoon, I could barely walk. And Joni, where's Joni? I, I didn't even tell you this. I just found this out before the service. I could barely walk. And, and we prayed. But I just I could hardly lift this leg. I thought, I do not want to wear crutches again on the platform. I don't like to do that. And uh, so I we prayed, and then I took some ibuprofen. You can do both. <laughs> you can do both. Really, I mean, some people say, I'm not taking any medication. But you can do both. It's still, you can still go to Jesus first. And I did, I went to ibuprofen, and then, and then I went to hot pad, heating pad. And I said, Joni, I'm like an old guy. This is my best friend, my eating pad right now. I'm and I could, I could just barely lift this light into bed. I'm laying there. And, and, uh, and I just prayed. I said, oh, God, I just 
too much to do. I don't want to be laid up with my back. Lower back, get area. And uh, I got up at 3 o'clock this morning, and I'm an early riser, and I woke up at 3 o'clock, and I, I don't have a bit of pain. Absolutely no pain. And I, the first thing I did is I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm walking into the sanctuary here, and Carmen Holland caught me, and she said, how's your back? And I said, well, it's, it's fine. Present. She said, well, just yesterday, God put it on my heart to pray for you, my pastor. She said, I was supposed to pray for you right here, just below the belt line, right here. That's exactly where I felt it. And I said, Carmen, thank you for praying. And I told her what I just told you. Glory to God. Now, Carmen's smart, but she's not that smart. <laughs> she is not smart enough to figure it all out on her own. No one is. What she did is she was obedient to the Holy Spirit to pray for someone. And God healed. That's called intercession. <laughs> Glory to God. And so I share that with you um, on a couple things. Someone maybe, you're maybe going through something that no one else knows about, that no one maybe except your spouse or a close friend knows about, maybe no one else does, but God can put on the heart of someone else who doesn't know anything about your situation to pray for you, but I'm going to take a step further. Some of you, God is going to use you, he's going to anoint you to pray for someone else, and when he does, it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not, do it. Amen. Do it. Because God may want to heal that person, deliver that person, provide for that person, work a miracle in that person's life, encourage someone, open the door for someone, close the door for someone, because you prayed. And so I say, just keep doing it. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and then be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Well, this morning, I, uh, I, I, I want to share with you from God's Word last week, Last week we began um, a series that's not going to be a very long series, and, and it's called Why We. And, 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 and during this time of a bit of transition, just in our facility, I wanted to share with you about uh, uh, why do we do the things that we do? Why, why are these things important? We, we may have done them for a long time. We may, have, we may have become so very familiar with them that it's almost second nature. But why do we do the things that we do? And last week, we looked at why, why do we believe? You were here last week, and I shared that, that story of the blind man from John chapter 9. That, that guy who at the beginning of the day, at the beginning of the day, knew virtually nothing about Jesus, perhaps nothing at all. And then Jesus comes into his life and he spits on the ground and he picks up the mud that it had made and he puts it on his eyes and he goes and tells him to wash in a certain pool and he goes and he washes and, and the Bible says and he went home seeing God worked up a, a powerful, profound miracle in this man's life and, and then people start questioning him. His neighbors, his friends questioned him. And then the, the Pharisees, the religious elite, questioned him. And his parents didn't know why exactly. They just knew that their son who was blind could now see. And, and, and this man who at the beginning of the day knew virtually nothing about Jesus. 
By the end of the day, it says he believed and he worshipped. And how often that's like our life. Listen, some of you, you may have come to Christ decades ago. Some of you may have come to him last week, and some here this morning perhaps have yet to come to him. But you don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have it all figured out. Thank God for this word, and we should be students of this word. But, but you don't have to understand all of this or have read all of it to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now once we believe, then we need to grow. But, 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 but you don't need to have it all figured out to believe. So why do we believe? And so we, we shared a couple of insights from that. Well, this morning... I want to share with you why we pray. Why we pray. Why do we pray? Already this morning, we have prayed a number of times. Joni briefly opened in prayer. And then I prayed over an offer. We prayed following the time of praise. You may have prayed this morning over a breakfast. or You're going to pray over... Briefly over a lunch, and please do that. Thank God for that. You don't care where you are at the restaurant, pray over that meal. Perhaps tonight before you go to bed, you're going to pray. But why do we pray? Why do we do that? Nearly every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ will declare, straightforward, will declare that prayer is very, very important. I don't think I've ever met a Christian that said something like, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm following Christ. This prayer really isn't that I've never met anyone who has said that. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, you would probably agree with me that prayer is very important. And yet many of us, myself included, struggle with praying like we should. If you were very open and very honest with me, you would probably say the same thing. Now, I have struggled with prayer. That doesn't mean that I don't do it. I do. I pray regularly. I pray every day. I spend some time in prayer. I put time aside. But I still struggle with it. I do. It, it, it's, it's, it's one of those inner disciplines that I know it's so important. And it's so valuable. And it's made such a difference. And it continues to make a difference. And yet it's hard. It's hard because there's so many things that pull us aside. There's so many things that demand our attention. That to-do list there at the beginning of the day is so long and extensive. Again, we know that it's important, and maybe I speak for you, and, 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 and maybe I'm kind of resonating with you a little bit this morning. It's just that so many of the things in our day crowd out real time with Jesus in prayer. Or, or sometimes, perhaps, it's because we've not looked into this book to see why prayer is important. Why we pray. Or, more specifically, this morning, this is what I want to do this morning from the book of Luke. And so you can go ahead and start turning there in your Bibles. And by the way, if you have a Bible, bring a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, see me later. We will get you a Bible. We hand out to hundreds a year to people, to adults and children. But I want you to bring your Bibles. And I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to be talking about, again, why we pray. Not so much the how this morning. When we're going into the subject of prayer, uh, a, a, a one message dealing with this is, would, would not be sufficient. It would, it would not do it justice. I'm not talking about so much how we pray, but why do we do it? Do you know the how? I found this out. If I get the why, the how is relatively easy. 
I have to understand why. Why do I do something? Why is something important? So that's what I want to do this morning, all from the book of Luke. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is that we pray because world-changing things begin with prayer. If you're taking notes this morning, what? write that down. World-changing things begin with prayer. Luke chapter 4, in your Bibles there, starting with verse 1, it reads this way. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was fed by the Spirit in the desert. Excuse me, was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, Jesus was hungry. This takes place, this portion of scripture that we just read here from Luke chapter 4, takes place just after Jesus' baptism. He comes up out of the water, he is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and during that time, he is seeking his heavenly father. He's also being tempted. It's recorded two times in your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke here in Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes through these 40 days. But also recorded in this chapter, Luke chapter 4, is a whole list of beginnings for Jesus. A whole bunch of Jesus' beginnings. Not his beginning, by the way, he had no beginning. He always was, has always been. But it records some of the first things of Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus began his public ministry. He was about 30 years old. He, there's no record of his, of his ministry before this. This is the beginning of his public ministry. In verse 23 is the first recording of his teaching. This is, he began his teaching here chapter 4. In verse 35, it says that he began delivering people from demons. It wasn't the last time that he would do this, but it was the first time that it's recorded. In fact, you can go throughout the Gospels and you'll find many occasions where Jesus would pray for people and demons would leave them. But it started here in Luke chapter 4. In verse 39, he began to heal. The Bible says at the very end of the book of John, that if all of the things that Jesus said and did were recorded, then all of the books in the world could not hold them. So he healed, I believe, thousands and thousands of people. He continues to heal today, glory to God. But he healed thousands of people, but this is the first time here in chapter 4. It really is a chapter of beginnings for Jesus. But I want you to notice, please, it began in a place of prayer. Please notice that. It began in a place of prayer. It says here that Jesus ate nothing during those 40 days. When you see this verse up there, you won't find the word prayer. But it does say about halfway down there, he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. How many here would think that you would get hungry on the first day of fasting? Let me explain that. After about three or four days, the hunger feelings, if all you're doing is drinking water, the hunger feelings begin to subside. Food still looks good, it's still attractive, and, and you want some, but the hunger feelings that you feel if you skip a meal or two, they kind of subside until all of the reserves of your body have been consumed. Any fat, anything stored in your liver, liver it, 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 and, and then after all of your reserves are used up, the body begins to turn on itself into, into healthy tissue, 
muscle, and so forth. And the hunger pains will return. So this tells us that for 40 days, Jesus has been fasting. But please understand, now you're saying, well, where does prayer come in? He wasn't fasting because he was on a diet. He wasn't fasting because it was a hunger strike. It's implied here very clearly what Jesus was doing here at the very beginning of his ministry, or actually before the beginning of his public ministry to, to people. He was pushing this most basic thing called food aside to spend extra time with his heavenly father. So again, I want you to see this. That before all of these things began, Jesus was in a place of prayer. There was a before he taught one lesson, before he, he preached one message, before he worked one miracle or delivered one person from, from demonic spirits, or before he miraculously provided one thing, Jesus prayed. Jesus was a world changer. No, no, let me. Jesus was the world changer, but I want you to see the end of a place of prayer. Now, let me, let me tra transition to you and I. Jesus still now desires to use us. And we'll start in a place of prayer. About three years after this event, about three years after this, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus, after his crucifixion and after his resurrection, he ascended into heaven. But just before he ascended into heaven, he told his followers... And related, he told us that now what he had done, they were going to do in the power of his Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus was saying, as I have been a world changer, as God my Father has used me, so he is going to use you as you are, are his person and you are filled with his Holy Spirit. You are going to do even greater things, Jesus said, than what I have done. Wow! See, I believe that every person who is called of Jesus Christ, every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, and if, if, you, if you fit into that category, then Jesus desires you to be a world changer. Every person. No exception. You're saying, well, I, I, no one may ever know me outside of Brown County. That's fine. You, you can still be a world changer. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. But it's going to happen. It's going to start. More often than not, it's going to start not in a place of publicness with Jesus. It's going to start in a place of private prayer. You see, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to, in the days, in the weeks, and in the months ahead, He's going to, while you are in a place of prayer, you're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and He's going to tell you to go and talk or share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. And you're going to go, man, I, I don't know if I can do that. When, when, he, when he prompts you to do it, you do it. You're going to become a world changer. Yeah. And 20 years from now, Jesus has not yet returned. Or 40 years from now, if Jesus has not yet returned, then those people are going to look back and going to say, the Holy Spirit, God, sent someone to talk to my mother or my father, and because their life was changed, I am changed, and I am serving Jesus Christ today, in large part because God spoke to someone in a place of prayer. So are you ready? Are you in a place where God can use you? 
Are you in a place where God speaks, can speak to you? When in, in that, that, that devotional prayer time, why do we pray? Because God calls people in a place of prayer, and they go out from that place of prayer and they change the world around them. It's one of the reasons why we pray. Because world-changing things begin, begin in prayer. There's another reason why we pray that I want you to see this morning, and that is big decisions are best made following prayer. Turn in your Bibles again to now Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Again, still looking at the person of Jesus and his example to us. None of these things in the book of Luke or throughout the Bible, none of them are there as filler. All of them are there with a purpose. And we are given this example of Jesus again. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13 read this way. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, Jesus called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. You see here, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that these would be among the first of his followers, and he needed direction on selecting them from his heavenly Father. And you're going, now you may be thinking, well, why would Jesus need to do that? Jesus was God. Yes, he was, but the Bible says that Jesus emptied himself. He took, on, he took on mankind, he took on humanity, and he needed the Lord's, the Father's direction, and that's why he prayed all night. He prayed all night, and then the next day, the next morning, he went down and he chose from all the people that were following him at that, at that, at that time, he selected 12 of them, he chose 12 of them to be his disciples and the first apostles. So Jesus prayed. Let me ask you this. Are some of you facing a big, don't raise your hand, but are some of you facing a big decision right now? Are some of you facing something really big, and it's right before you, and you have a choice, go this way or go that way, do this or don't do that? It's a big choice. Maybe it's weighing on you right now. Maybe you showed up this morning, and you're going, man, I have a, I have a big decision to make, and I'm not exactly sure what to do. Well, then I want you to take this as direction from the Lord from Luke chapter 6, and that is to spend much time praying about it. Perhaps you're cons considering marriage. Perhaps someone here, you're thinking about getting married. I'll tell you what, that is a big decision. I realized that 26 years ago when I was making that decision. Now that my kids are getting older, now I'm really, that's a big decision. And it's not something that we go, well, I like her. She's cute. He's good looking. Yeah, let's get married. We like, we like to. No, I mean, those are nice things. But I'll tell you what, in a big decision like that, you better hear from God. We're going to hear from God to happen in prayer. It's a big decision. Perhaps some of you are making a big, uh, a major purchase, and you don't know what to do, or you're buying into something, or you're, 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 you're and, and, and you don't know what to do. Seek God. This is one of the reasons why we pray. We need the Lord's direction. Maybe you're considering a job change or a location change. Commit it to God in prayer. Have you prayed about it? It's one of the reasons why we pray. Listen, in the big and often not so big decisions, we need to seek God rather than trying to figure things out ourselves. Let me add something here. Sometimes in prayer, God will direct us to do things that may not at first appear to be the logical choice. 
You may be praying, and you're from all of the external information, you think, well, that's what I have to do. It just makes sense. Let's say it's a job. Well, this is a great location. I've always wanted to live there. It's a great paycheck. Oh, man, that's really going to help us, you know, do what, what, what we want to do. Oh, look at it. I, I, this is a great opportunity. And it may, from all the externals, appear to be the right thing, but it may be the very wrong thing. I'm not saying that, that God's direction is illogical. I'm simply saying that sometimes from our limited perspective, and all of us have limited perspective, none of us can see around the corner, so to speak, ahead. None of us know what's going to happen. None of us know the whole story. We need to seek God. We need to seek God. Our ways are frequently skewed by our history, or by our sin, or by our pain. And so we say, Lord, I don't have an answer, but I know who does. It's one of the reasons why we pray. I'm facing one of the greatest decisions of his ministry. Jesus prayed all night. And if Jesus thought it was necessary to pray, then how much more so do we need to make our choices a matter of prayer? There's another reason why we pray, and again, it's from the Gospel of Luke, and that is he sustains us as we pray. He sustains us as we pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When Jesus finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. What follows is one of the better known portions of the Gospels, and it's where Jesus, you know, he, he Tells them the Lord's Prayer, instructs them on the how to pray. Luke 11, by the way, is partway through Jesus' three year earthly ministry before he ascended into heaven. By that time, by that time, we don't know exactly where in the sequence this is, but he's well enough into it that by this time, um, countless people have learned about Jesus. They've heard him, they've heard him preach and teach these incomparable messages, or, or they had received some kind of a miracle. And, and, and in fact, the other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and John, um, revealed this even more, how Jesus would often remove himself from the crowds. He would, he would remove himself from the demands. He would re remove himself from the busyness. And he would go, and it says things like this, and Jesus went off to a mountainside Why would he do that? Why would the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, who is both God and man, why would he need to do that? I believe because of all of the demands that were upon him. Remember that one story where uh, he was walking through a crowd of people and, um, and the woman who had been sick for 12 years with a blood issue thing um, touched him and, and he stops and he said, who touched me? And, one of the disciples said, hey, Jesus, no, I felt the power go out of me. That, that's, that's a revealing text. The power went out of Jesus. I believe one of the reasons that he would go off to the mountainside to pray, that he would pull back to the business of life, is to put the power of God back in. It sustained him. It sustained him. The disciples had seen this before, how important prayer was to Jesus how it empowered him, encouraged him, sustained him. And they wanted to know how to pray like Jesus. So they said, teach us how to pray. 
Here's something, by the way, that you already know. This is not new information to any person here. That is the life. Any life is frequently challenging and hard. Now, come on. How many would agree with me that life is frequently challenging and hard? Thirteen of you. <laughs> All of us. Life is challenging. And life is hard. There are unexpected tragedies. You get a phone call, and the news is not good. The cancer is spread. You find out that, that that money didn't come through. The job didn't work out. You find out about a family member choices that they've made and the consequences that come with it. You just go, oh, oh life is so hard. I mean, it's just all. It's hard. Where did that come from? There are huge disappointments. There, there are massive pressures. Sometimes it's not just one thing. Sometimes it's just it's just like months or even years. Of, it's, it's not so much thing like things are being cut off of you, but ground off. Incremental, bit by bit, just brown. They wear us down, they wear us out. Nearly every person here today has been there or you are there. And while the causes of that, of that feeling of emptiness and just weakness and weariness and emotional and spiritual and mental and even physical weariness, while the causes are many, the way to make it through those challenges, one of the key ways is time with Jesus. It's one of the reasons why we pray. Because if Jesus, facing all of those things, would escape to the mountain to seek, seek God and spend time with Him, if, if Jesus did it, how much more so do we need it? I do. There are times, there are times in my life where it seems like the only place I can find Peace in my heart and in my mind, or sometimes just in a place of prayer. And then you go back into the battle. But there's that little rest of it that sustains us. If you are presently in or you're getting close to a season of life that's particularly difficult, do what Jesus did. Find a certain place away from the demands, away from the people, away from the to-do list. In fact, do, don't wait for those hard times to come. Do it now so that when the hard times, hard times do come, you are already into that, into that wonderful pattern. That is, I have to go to Jesus. One of the reasons why we pray is to be sustained through the challenges of life through time with Him. Here's another one, and that is, we are guarded from temptation when we pray. Turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 records Jesus' actions in the hours before his arrest and crucifixion. If the first text that we read, well, Jesus went off and fasted and prayed for 40 days, was at the very beginning of his public ministry, this is right towards the very end of it. Luke 22, verse 39 and following tells us this. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. By the way, this is just the night before he's arrested. Actually, it's the night he's arrested and betrayed. Um, and shortly before, of course, his suffering, his, his crucifixion, and eventually his, his resurrection. 
So here was Jesus. And he's speaking to his followers. He, Jesus knows what is ahead. And so he's praying. And he's encouraging his disciples to do the same. Jesus knew that the hours ahead would be nearly overwhelming for him, but he also knew it was going to be difficult for them. So he wasn't telling them necessarily to pray for him. He's praying for them to pray for themselves, as it says here, so that you will not fall or enter into temptation. Jesus knew that the thing that could make the difference in their resisting temptations or giving into those temptations was prayer. Now here's another thing. I won't have you raise your hands to this one, but every one of us here knows the power of temptation. Every one of us. And for you, it may be very different than the person next to you. The thing that tempts them may not have any face on you. There are some temptations that are common to us all. Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in every way. Temptation is not sin. Giving into temptation is sin. The temptation is very real. It's very powerful. And, and, and some here, you're wondering, man, it seems like I'm so powerfully overwhelmed by temptation. And, and it grabs a hold of me, and it jerks me around, and before I you know it, there I am. I give into that temptation. If I only had to get to a place where I'm no longer tempted. I've even known people that said, you know what? I am just so tired, I'm just going to give into it. I'm going to stop fighting, and I'm just going to go for it. One of the reasons why you get so beat up through temptation is because you're not spending the right... Jesus said, spend time praying so that you will not fall into temptation. There is a correlation. And I believe not that you're going to live the rest of your life with temptations of some kind or another. And, and, and if you've not been tempted by something, don't think that you won't be. You come to a new part in life and all of a sudden you're tempted by something you were not tempted with before. Let him who stands take heed lest he fall. But, but do, do, do you want strength when the temptation comes? Jesus said, pray. There's one more reason. From Luke, just, just from Luke, on why we pray. By the way, there are many, many others. This is just one God. I just wanted to stay here in Luke this morning. There are many other reasons why. This is not an extensive list. There are many other reasons why we pray, but these are the ones that I see from Luke and on why we pray, and that is we die to self when we pray. Just, just after, the very next verse after Jesus uh, called them to pray to avoid temptation, it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 41, Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Here's Jesus praying. He's been praying for years. He's been praying since he was a little boy. He has a relationship with the Heavenly Father, unlike any of us. He, he was and is the Son of God. And yet these things are recorded for our sake. Here's Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows, he knows from, from what God has revealed to him, both in Scripture and I think by his Holy Spirit, he knows, what's, he knows what's ahead. He knows that he's going to be suffering beyond what, what mankind, any man has ever experienced, not just the physical, but the spiritual, the sin of mankind was going to be heaped on him in the hours ahead. And he makes this prayer, and he says, 
Father, if it is possible, I paraphrase. Father, if there's any other way, can we do that? But then he added those, those very key words. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. See, one of the things that happens in prayer, one of the reasons why we pray is because my will dies and his will prevails as we go into prayer. I don't know about you, but one of the biggest things that gets in the way of God's will being accomplished in my life is me. It's my will. I don't want to do that. It's hard. I don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. That might be embarrassing. I don't want to do that. It's going to take a long time. I don't want to do that. The people are going to get angry. I don't want to do that. It's really, really, really hard. I don't want to do that. And then God says, do it. I said, all right, Lord. I don't want to do it. It's going to be hard. But your will is more important than mine. Where does that happen? It happens in the place of prayer. It's one of the reasons why we pray. I need to tell you this morning, I'm not very good at doing things for no good reason. I'm not very good at doing things for no good reason. I don't, uh, I, 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 I don't like taking cuts. I don't like swallowing them. I take, I mentioned I took some some time all last night. I, that's, that's probably three times a year, if, if that. I don't like taking vitamins. My wife puts them in front of me all the time. Everyone watches puts these vitamins. I don't like taking them. I don't like pills. But I take them because they're good for me. I know the why. I understand. You're going, hey, you're, you're preparing prayer to No, what I'm saying is that, that if, if I were to stand here and say, you're a Christian, you're supposed to pray. Now, God bless you, let's close in prayer. Well, sometimes that's how, how we do it. you got to do this. No, this morning, I don't want you just to say, you're a Christian and therefore you're supposed to pray, so let's pray. No. There's a reason for why we pray. There's a, there are many reasons for why we pray. Why do we pray? If I know the why, I can do the how. If I understand the why, then I can get behind it. If I understand what happens in me and through me when I pray, then I'm more prone to pray. Why do we pray? Because world-changing things begin with prayer. I don't have a lot of years left. And you say, well, how old are you? I don't know. But even 30 years, 40 years isn't a lot of a long time. I'm finding out that 10 years goes like that. I don't have very long, and you don't either. And in the time that I have, in the time that we have, I want us to be world changers. Now, I may not change the whole world, but I can change the world around me. And I want it to start. And where is it going to start? It's going to start in prayer. I want to be a world changer. Why do we pray? We pray because big decisions are best made following prayer. There's some big decisions that I'm making. There's some big decisions that you're making. There's some small decisions that I'm making and you're making. And I'll tell you what, we need to make so many of them or all of them a matter of prayer. God, what, would, what do you want me to do? It's one of the reasons why we pray. Why do we pray? We pray because God sustains us when we pray. Some of you have received some news just in the last week or two, and it's almost overwhelming. And I'm telling you, you better go to that place of prayer so that when the battle becomes severe, you are able to sustain it because of the power of Jesus in you. Why do we pray? 
We pray because we're so we're not so given to temptation to get pushed around and beat up by the enemy. We pray because we die to self and we live more for him when we pray. Tonight's film, this is not a preacher's sermon in, in, in setting up. It, it worked out perfectly. I mean, didn't even know we were going to be showing the film until about three weeks ago and I had already been working on this message. Knew that I was going to be preaching it today. But tonight we're going to be showing a film. It's called War Room. If you've not seen it, um, join us tonight. If you have seen it, and I have seen it, it's a powerful film. I'm going to come tonight and we'll pop over and watch it again. I'm going to be moved with God again. Because there's power in prayer. So join us tonight. There's going to be a Bible study that follows up from this. I forget which time to leave the work with the kids and the information. But there's going to be a Bible study for about six or seven weeks following this so that we can be people more of prayer. Why? Oh, there's so many reasons why we pray. Because God wants to use us in the time of Because God wants to keep us from getting beaten up. God wants to sustain us. God wants to change our hearts and our minds and our world. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we be people of prayer. And by the way, closing, I want to finish with this. You've seen these banners for several years. Some of you may not like these banners because they've been up here for so long and you get annoyed when I talk about it. But I'm going to refer to it again. Love God. It's the greatest commandment to that, that and love people are the great commandments Jesus said. And the two messages that I just preached, why do we believe? Why do we pray? Are directly related to loving God. You love God and believe Him and trust Him and surrender your life to Him and surrender it to Him again and He will care for your life and He will hold your life and He will direct your life far better than you ever thought you could. Mm -hmm. And when we pray, it is a visible demonstration, a physical demonstration of faith filled demonstration of our love for God. Come and pray. Away from my wife for four or five days this week. Got home late Friday night about 11 o'clock. It just felt so good to sit down with my wife and talk. I almost brewed some coffee to be to do that, but I would be up there until but I just wanted to sit and talk with her. Because I love my wife. And I know that the relationship is different. I know that it's infinitely more. But I love Jesus as well. Not from the book of Luke, but from the life of here. One of the reasons why I pray, why, why we need to pray, because we love him. And we want to spend time with him. And because I love my Jesus. What he's done for me, what he's done in my heart, in my mind, in my body, what he's, what he's done in my family, what he's done for my friends, who are so many have seen him before me, what he's done in my church family, what he's going to do in us, I am so grateful. 
And I was so grateful that I could put him in this wonderful gift called prayer. That we can approach the very throne room of God. Think of that. I can't even meet with, I, I, I'd have to go through a whole bunch of poor calls to meet with, with the mayor of this town. You have to go through all kinds of things to meet with the President of the United States. There's no chance in the world you're ever going to have a sit down with the Queen of England. We can approach the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, through prayer. Oh, Lord, help me pray. I pray. We're going to close the prayer. Here's how we're going to pray that God will turn you into a man or a woman of prayer. God wants to meet you in life. This morning we have we have had people come forward for prayer up here and we believe that uh, these this this altar area and it's not it's not a three-point line, it's this is an altar area. And it will be for the next several months. And uh, if you'd like prayer with someone, there'll be someone up here to pray this morning. There, there'll be someone here to pray with you at the close of the service. If, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then I want you to come right up here and there'll be someone here to pray with you. To lead you into this, to lead you into the very beginning of your relationship with him. Today would be the day, Lord God. And I don't want to let you know why. If, if you're wondering how do I start, this is how you start. You just come right up here, somebody's going to pray with you. And, and you're going to ask Jesus to give in your heart to change your life. And I'll tell you what, you are, you are just about you are, you're going to get on the most exciting, wonderful road that you've ever been on. But if you've already accepted Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you and open your heart. Would you pray this with me? Lord, I, I ask that you will make me into a man. Maybe here a woman of prayer. I, I pray that, that we would be, let's make it personal, that I would be a person who is an intercessor. Not just praying for my needs, praying for someone else. That you would use us in remarkable ways, that you would birth things within our hearts, that you would give us direction while we pray, that you would help us in our decisions when we pray, that you would sustain us when we pray, that you would help us resist temptation as we pray, that you would change us, remove us from the throne of our lives, reinstall you to the very throne of our lives, not our will but yours. Lord, would you make us to the men and women of prayer? Thank you that we can come to you. Thank you that you change us. We commit all of these things to you in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now as my brothers and sisters go their way, may you protect them. May you defend them. May you heal them. May you encourage them. May you empower them.
May you send them and may you use them for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you this morning.